Dave Fanning on 2FM. OK, Irish musicians and albums they love. We've had nine, three more to go. Roisin O released her second album, Courageous, in 2022, and she's chosen this. there from Beach House and Roshino is here because we're talking about an album that what influenced you inspired you you love the most or what is it exactly? It definitely inspired me it's not my favourite album it's not my, the yeah. best album out there but it, it definitely had a huge impact on me yeah, my, in my mid-twenties In your mid-twenties that'll be yeah. back around four years after it's released because uh, it yeah. meant something very personal to you because you got it from a friend and your life wasn't going too well <laughs> Yes Dave it wasn't <laughs> yeah I actually uh, I it, this came out in 20. 2010 Teen Dream came out in 2010 but I didn't listen to it about four years later four or five years later I was going through a breakup and uh, one of my my cousin who I was my shoulder to cry on Gavin he played this for me on vinyl and we used to sit around chatting you know after the breakup and this this was like the soundtrack to my to my breakup (laughs) wait wait a minute you have a friend you're sitting there and you're playing the Beach House album on vinyl yeah that's only seven or eight years ago that's pretty okay okay did it did it kind of did it mend your heart It, it you know I don't know if it mended my heart to be honest with you after the breakup, I went a bit off the rails. You know, <laughs> I wasn't really, uh, wasn't really, you know, addressing uh, the breakup. I would say, and it wasn't until uh, I, uh, Gavin actually got me tickets. We went to see Beach House in. Uh, they played Vicar Street. Street. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen them. Oh my god, they're unbelievable! And I think it was around that time I've been on the Raz, like tearing the arse out of it for for weeks after the breakup, and not really dealing with the breakup. And went to see Beach House, and they played this album, and I, I like. I was a ball of emotion. I just bawled my way through the whole album. It was like it had, it seeing it live brought that out in me. Do you know what I mean? And was like finally dealing with the breakup, like, you know. So this is an album that means an awful lot to you in terms of getting it all out there kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe, maybe healing you. Definitely a little bit. You know, it's an album like uh, when I, when you asked me to come on the show and I was thinking about my favourite albums, like, you know, my favourite, probably my favourite album is like Blue by Joni Mitchell or Fleetwood Mac Rumours and J- James, uh, James Taylor a lot of that older stuff but this is an album that it didn't like wouldn't have straight away speak, spoken to me it it sort of had that different thing where the for me always the vocalist is what I listen to first and while Victoria is absolutely amazing vocal that when I first heard it I thought it was uh, the guy was the singer because she oh, yeah. has this deep husky voice like Janis Joplin-esque but way more chilled and her her lyrics are very like they're these little snippet in time and the little snippets of of imagery that they don't really tell the story the of the type of lyrics that I would usually go for with this story of a very obvious story you know but it was the juxtaposition of this amazing unique vocal over this dreamy ethereal pop do you know what I mean yeah, that, yeah. That, and it really just drew me in it wasn't really music that I had listened to before and maybe that's why it spoke to me so much it was something yeah, I mean, new I'm like, I, I decided to listen to a little a, 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 some, I can't believe they have seven or eight albums I, I didn't even realise I know I mean this is the what their second album this is the second or third yeah, yeah second or third and yeah. then like by the time you heard it they'd have probably already had a fourth yes. so they had four albums worth to do at Vicar Street and you just got into the whole thing I mean the, I don't get the Janis Joplin thing I, I, I don't see that no at all, at no. all. I'd, I'd even be nearer to kind of a, a madder Nico kind of but maybe, maybe, maybe not maybe yeah, a little bit just, more melodic than let's Nico see, who are I mean like when I hear of a band like this uh, Beach House the one thing I think of just the one thing oh, Dream Pop 
They're, yeah. they're supposed to be the number one dream pop band around. Yeah. And I don't know many of their albums. But I'll tell you, the one thing I do know is the opening track on their next album, which I played an awful lot. But I'll give you a blast of it now. Do yeah. you know it? Do you, do you know Myth? Myth? No, I don't know if I okay, know. Hold on. about the fact that you think it's your man singing yeah <laughs> like who are they by the way that's called myth that's from the next album which was probably out around the time you saw the gig which was called uh, Bloom yeah. but Teen Dream is the album that you picked we're talking to Roshi and O here and we did play one track already from that album we'll play two more but before we do who are Beach House or what is Beach House so it's uh, a guy and a girl uh, Victoria Legrand and Alex Scally and I think they met in college in Baltimore and started working together they're like a duo and it's a lot of her vocal his very dreamy electric guitar she plays synth on stage as well um, yeah dream pop as you say I would oh, call she's it. the synth is she yeah she plays oh, all right. synths yeah on stage right. she's amazing and have you listened to any of their later albums like I mean they do have a bunch you know yeah, Twinkle the- Lucky Stars and uh, depression whatever it is Cherry or something yeah. Cherry that one yeah, yeah that was really huge for them yeah I haven't listened to them as much to be to be honest with you when you're asking me about my favourite album this yeah. is just one I was like what are my favourite yeah. albums and this popped into my head and it's so different to anything I'd usually pick right. and it, yeah it just it just took me in a different way and the way the way her like her voice is so understated you know I think I, when I'm I'm thinking about how did it influence me you know like not giving away everything in the vocal and you know until yeah. the very very end and and letting the vocal just breathe and be really her phrasing is really mad as well and the way she goes through words so it was just so unique to me and would you've taken any of that up for your own music yeah just for each album yeah. and it's amazing like I, I definitely think about that just holding back because in my for me like my my voice is the thing I can impress people with musically and to to hold back for so long, it it makes the impact of of the power behind your voice so much more when when you be understated for as long as you can. So yeah, I definitely try and do that now. You again. know, they have said about this crowd here that they've changed their music a lot. They went from are you ready for these nonsensical things up from lo-fi indie dream pop to neo psychedelia ambient shoegazing. <laughs> so if that's the case, just take me like the from the secret life of what twelve years ago now? No, ten years ten ago now years ago, yeah. to uh, courageous. I mean, yeah. have you changed an awful lot? Of, oh, yeah. Don't forget in between those two albums. Yeah. You know, like this is when you went to see them in Bigger Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Well. Well. Courageous. Or Secret Life in Blue is definitely folk pop. Courageous is a is a lot more pop pop, I would say. But yeah. So the, so you're not necessarily doing the ambient shoegazing neo psychedelia low by uh, indie uh, dream pop. I don't know. Maybe have enough time to write that up. I make up a genre <laughs> yeah, for myself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so like this was a very important album for you at a certain stage in there. It and was. So like, do you find yourself going back to it still though? Yes, yeah, all like, the time. If you were driving right now out of this place in Dublin, and you were going to Kerry. Would you put it on your car? I totally would. And it's a type of album as well that like when I when I was asked to have to pick three, I knew none of the names. Of them because I just turn it on and I listen to it from start yeah. to finish and I feel like that's the way it needs to be listened to like one song rolls into the other so beautifully and when I was looking at the name of Norway um, the next song I was going to talk about and yeah. I thought the I thought it was called No Way right. the whole time until yeah, the other totally day when I was looking absolutely at Absolutely the experience that all of us have had many <laughs> times so tell me about Norway why are we playing that next? Norway I just thought it was 
uh, the first two songs on the album like it's her voice is this deep thing and then it's, the Norway starts with like this Fisher Price synth with like these rolling toms over it and then these these ahs come in like these hyper hyperventilating high really high pitched ahs and you realise it's her and when I listened to it first I was like oh this must be her singing and the other one is the guy but it's all her and it just shows this other other side of her voice you know that I absolutely loved hearing as well Okay well let's hear it Norway Beach House Beach House, we're talking about the album Teen Dream and Roshino was here talking about it because it means so much to her. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll play the last track that you picked, which is what? Was it Walk in the Park? Yeah, Walk in the like, Park. Was there something about the, like, even the intro of the song that I played from the next album there, there's something about their intros. Their intros, that uh, catches you in and, uh, and that's why I love the album so much because every new song it's like, oh, it's this one, oh, it's this one and the, it almost, I feel like the intros and the verses are even better than the choruses sometimes. You're not waiting for the chorus because the, the verses are so interesting and with Walk Walk in the Park it's one of the few ones I really felt like the lyrics a lot of the times you, you have to really work to try and figure out what she's talking about you know but in this one it's very obviously coming to the end of a relationship you know the face that you saw on the door isn't standing there anymore in a matter of time it will slip from my mind I always felt like this was this was a song I definitely started bawling at in right. Vicker Street and yeah. it's like she's trying to get over someone and she's hoping that in the future he won't be in her mind anymore but right now he's there like oh, yeah. type okay. of thing and it's the first verse is the thing that really that, that, that really you. got to me yeah. yeah right indeed okay so just one of the things that you mentioned Fleetwood Mac and who else Joni Mitchell yeah. like in terms of Joni Mitchell about the album Blue yeah. she wasn't releasing albums she was releasing her diary and putting music to it exactly so yeah. like that personal kind of thing is that is that something that you're that's way more up my alley especially for this album I absolutely wore my heart on my sleeve and for 20 for The Secret Life of Blue I was a lot more <laughs> metaphorical and, and hiding what I was trying to say and this album I'm the absolute opposite and, and it basically tells a, a story of, of the last couple of years of my life and the breakups I've been through the co actual conversations that are included in the lyrics so. Alright well if you've no interest in meeting Roshi no you can just listen to the album <laughs> Courageous and that means you've met her Exactly <laughs> Okay and uh, the album we're talking about here is from Beach House of course it is Teen Dream I think it's the second of seven or eight from them or eight or nine from them but it might be the it might third, be the third. I think it's, it's the third, third. Is yeah. it? Okay fair enough and and uh, this track here is the final one of the three that you picked and it's called Walk in the Park. Roisin, it's a pleasure. Thanks a million. Thanks, Dave. Next up with an album he loves, James Vincent McMorrow. Six months ago, he released his sixth album called The Less I Knew and his choice of album, Deftones.
Okay, there it is. Change is the name of the song. Deftones is who we're talking about. And uh, White Pony is the name of the album. James Vincent McMorrow, you could have picked anything. <laughs> because it's brilliant the way you've done this because you really could. You were picking these out of the sky. Let's do this one. Yeah. So you better explain me to, to, to Deftones. <laughs> who are they? What are they? Why are they? <laughs> Deftones are a band from Sacramento, I think. In, yeah, somewhere in yeah, California. Yeah, California. Yeah. They were, basically, I picked it because I'm on a big nostalgia buzz at the moment and this is like my childhood. I think this album came out in like 2000 um, and I was like full. The reason I picked it is because like I was a full metal kid, emo kid. And then I listened to a lot of, a lot of rap like because I was thinking about albums I could pick when you asked me there. And I thought I, I would also pick um, In Search Of by Any or D, which is like Pharrell's solo project from like around the same era. But... I think it speaks to the fact that I listen to a lot of different music and, and this informed, this album was the one that made me realize that I could be a musician. That's why I pick it because really? um, I listened to a lot of metal. I never wanted to be in a metal band. I just loved listening to it. When I heard this record, it was so melodic and so well recorded. This guy called Terry Date recorded it and who recorded basically everything in that era. But it sounds incredible, whereas a lot of metal in the late 90s sounded pretty rubbish because it was all the changeover from tape to um, Pro Tools. So digital was a bit janky at the time. But this album sounds incredible. It was like a full emo masterpiece of a record change. is like one of the best songs. It's one of the best songs ever written. I did it at a covers night we did for charity recently and we sang it and the crowd went insane because I think it has... You you said that before you're not familiar with it or the band really, but no. it, it kind of has this life within like that sort of like metal and emo community where like. I Do you think, think in some ways though that it has what it has, which is the basis as you call it, kind of metal from your youth, but it also goes in a completely different direction. Well, it's, it's genuinely a timeless record. I think like if you after we speak, if you go and like Wikipedia or like Google it, you'll mm. see that it is one of those records that came out at a time when people were like new metal is trash and that was my childhood so I was obviously very defensive of it whereas looking back now I wouldn't say it was bad but I would say a lot of it definitely had its moment and dissipated whereas I love this record because I listen to it now and it feels as potent to me as it does then yeah just want to say you say you want a bit of a nostalgia kick and you say it's timeless so have you listened to it lately yeah, yeah I listen to it all the time it's an album that I've never there's very few records from that era of the metal genre like that style of music that I would yeah. keep listening to but like it is the one that like just holds up sonically lyrically it's incredibly emotional record it deals with a lot of things that like me as a, as a teenager really kind of like gravitated towards where, and me as an adult still still does I still do yeah and uh, like was, was there a before and after the, this isn't the debut is it no it's the third album third I think one, yeah, yeah you know and they're still they're still a, like a super huge band They've like again I think that's why I, I, I wanted to talk about it is because albums that transcend generations I think in the same way that like I could equally talk about On the Beach by Neil Young an album that I'm sure you're familiar with and that like had a huge impact on me I know backwards in fact you know a sad thing now you said something I can beach on that do you know there's a cover on, on, on the beach yeah. and he's looking out at the sea and the Corvette sticking out of the sand yeah. there's a newspaper there I can tell you what the headline of the newspaper is are you serious Senator Buckley calls on Nixon to resign <laughs> yes <laughs> how sad is that no that's beautiful that's what I mean like those are the albums that like exist in this sort of like this timeless yeah. world oh, for listen. me like so yeah. but you know because you were coming at it from like around the 2000s you were not tapped into the new metal scene nor should you have been no not no. the new metal in fact if anything like I might have known a bit of the new wave of British heavy metal but that was in the late 70s yeah. Def Leppard and so all it's, it's all it's all of it's but, you know, Neil Young for me is removed from context as well. Like, you know, Neil Young, when he began, was basically like a, you know, like a, not a boy band guy, but he was like a super handsome, yeah. 
pop singer for a lot of people and now he's my most favorite songwriter of all time pound for pound right same with bands like deftones where like they were seen as a certain thing they defied that expectation and then went on to be these brilliant okay well, look, we're talking to james vince mcmorrow uh, one of his favorite albums not necessarily his, uh, his only favorite no, album no. uh the deftones it is or deftones it is uh white white what's it called white white, white pony white pony okay yeah. so i'm going to play another track from that it's called knife party There you go, Knife Party is what it's called. We're talking Deftones. Why Knife Party? Because I just love the riff in this song. It, and it was one of those songs that as a kid, I wanted to write riffs. And it was just like perfect. It's so good and heavy. And I also love the fact that you have to play this on the radio in the middle of the day. It makes me very happy. <laughs> Fantastic. That's as good a reason as any to play it, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, did you ever see Deftones live? Yeah. Like yeah? A, a, yeah a any lot. good? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I saw What's the lineup like? How many are there? What instruments? Uh, uh, guitar, guitar, two guitars, um, including the, the lead singer, uh, Chino, um, and then drummer. You say Chino like you know him now. I've met, I've met him a couple <laughs> of times. Whatever, <laughs> Me know, and Chino, yeah. <laughs> well, like, this is the thing. Like these, these are the people that I grew up obsessing over. And then because the, the nature of the work that I do, like folkier guitar stuff tends to have a lot of overlap between like emo world and metal world yeah because like me- like what i always loved about those metal records of my childhood was they always had a soft song on them like even you were talking about like sort of 70 stuff like like black sabbath records had softer records on, like always. songs on right? always because it's it's just there is a connectivity between aggressive music yeah. and soft music in that yeah. way and so like sure if I wasn't for the incredible string band Led Zeppelin wouldn't exist discuss yeah (laughs) (laughs) litigious um yeah yeah, there's uh there's just a connection so like I was such a huge fan of of someone like Chino and then those people reach out to me at various stages to express that they are fans of mine which always makes me do you know if I went into a record shop and they still had record shops and there's vinyl and that what would it be filed under Mm, metal, I guess, if you were really? being very like, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit more genre fluid, so I would put it in probably like prog rock or like emo or something like that. You but say prog rock, not in a bad way. I always think prog rock gets terrible bad press. And it does, it does get terrible great bad stuff press. Like Rush were under, under yeah, I don't know. Getty's voice doesn't. I'm sorry, it's, I can't. It's a tough hang, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah, Tom Sawyer is a bit of a jam, so right, indeed, yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, listen, it's like fantastic. So, um, do you play any? Like you said, you played one of their songs, did you? Well, we did these covers nights. I had this idea pre-pandemic to do a covers night, and all the money would go to the musicians that I brought in to play. Obviously, didn't get to do it for 2020 or 2021. So we did two nights in Wheelands. We did a 2000s indie night where we just picked all the music that I loved in the 2000s. And then we picked Emo, um, which was bands like Dashboard Confessional or right. um, Jimmy Eat World. Um, like, we did a couple of Foo Fighters. I mean, it ran the gamut of pretty much anything Emo, which is like, can be Avril Lavigne, I'm With You is an Emo song, really. And then I did uh, Change in the House of Flies. Um, with the band which was one of the greatest moments of my musical life like I've had some great musical moments but it genuinely was like a pinch me thing where you're just like we're in, it was in Wheelands and it was just like really sweaty the place was packed and everybody was losing their minds because it was just one of those nights did you ever send it to Deftones and say look what I did I hope it's okay guys <laughs> Chino their, my friend get their, my friends Chino who I've met twice uh, uh, get their approval no I haven't sought the approval right. of anybody that I, whose music I've just finally America with you I mean you you go a lot do you love it I do yeah I mean yeah. it's changed 
obviously over the last few years um and it's edgy now i went a couple of years ago and it was like is different again coming out of the pandemic maybe the rose tinted nature of it i've always looked at yeah. especially la has been quite an yeah. aspirational place to make music yeah. i've made a lot of records there i've made, written a lot of songs there but it's changed a little it's changed quite a lot actually so i don't know my, I'm, I'm there in a couple of weeks so we'll see okay well look i'll tell you what we're going to play the final song from this album white pony from deftones it's called rx queen is it yes why is it called? Why not? Why not? Brilliant. It's the proggy. Why not? James Vincent McMurrow. Fantastic. Thanks, James. No worries. Okay, we've come to the end. 12 Irish musicians picking an album they love. So we've had Roisin O, Brezzy, Faye O'Rourke from Soda Blonde, Craig Walker from Power of Dreams, Neve Farrell from Ham Sandwich, Dahi Alvaredi, Jack L, Loa, Neve Regan, James Vincent McMorrow, and last up, it's Steve Wickham. He likes the fiddle. He also likes Bob Dylan. So let's take this. There you go, you all know the song well, but do you know the album? That's a Hurricane, that is Bob Dylan, and it's taken from his 1976 album called Desire, which is the chosen album of my guest today. He's a long-time member of the Waterboys, founder member of the band Into Anua, and his violin playing is featured on the work of so many artists, from U2, Sinead O'Connor, World Party, Elvis Costello, Steve Wickham, how are you? I'm very well, Dave, and how are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Now, that song in particular is probably the one song on the album that doesn't really... I, don't, I never really liked that song, but that was an introduction um, for you to what? To, to a bit of violin on Dylan or to Dylan? Uh, it was just the possibilities of what the violin could do in a rock and roll band. I mean, I had... I was about, I suppose, 14, 13 or 14 when I heard... Oh, no, it was 1976, wasn't it? Yeah. So I was about 16 when I heard it. Right. I'd seen Horace Lips, but... Uh, this, this, there was something lyrical, and this uh, Bob, of course, you know, we grew up with Bob, so the possibilities were endless, and the swooping violin that she was doing was just beautiful. Now, who's the she we're talking about? Oh, here? sorry, the, the beautiful Scarlett Rivera, who I got in touch with on Twitter and was was talking to her recently, and um, she was just such a, a you know, free spirit, really. I suppose when you think about it, 1976, we're starting to listen to punk music, we're starting to listen to. Uh, a lot of reggae yeah. starting to happen around and there's an edginess about it but Dylan's doing this kind of still poetic troubadour lyricism yeah and, exactly uh, yeah I dug that yeah and he's as loose as a goose as well because he sees her walking along the street or something and says listen do you want to play my record kind of thing that's like, right he didn't know her and then, and she's all over the thing isn't she yeah she's and she's very good it kind of resonates with me as well because he picked her up in the street and I, I met Edge on the street as well, the same kind of <laughs> funny vibe in a way. And Edge says, you play you play violin, will you play on, on, on our, new, our new album, October? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or was it War? War. War, yeah. So I, I remember we toured the country, do you remember that? I do, yeah. We, we had some good nights, all right. <laughs> yeah. We were on the bus, the U2 bus, doing Galway, Limerick, Belfast and Cork. Yeah. And you were down at the back with Vinnie. That's right. Killed off, uh, who was doing Ilham Pipes on the album. That's right. Yeah. So what tracks did you play? Did you play in a few tracks on War, yeah? I played on uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday and uh, Drowning Man, or uh, Take My Hand, I think it's called Drowning Man, Drowning Man. 
Right, yeah, and that's yeah. your famous violin on Sunday, Bloody Sunday, yeah. Okay, so, like, what she does here, though, I get the impression, and we all know this with Dylan anyway, that, like, you go in and you haven't a clue what's going on, and you just hope for the best. I mean, it, it sounds like a one-take kind of thing. It, it, it doesn't sound like she spent seven months getting it right. Uh, I think it's, it's quite an interesting album. I think Dylan had 20 or 30 musicians on the first session, including people like Eric Clapton. He had five guitar players. He'd got, he wanted to get a band. Apparently, he'd, he'd met ba- Patti Smith in the, in the Bitter End, a little pub in Greenwich Village, and he envied her band. So he, he was been writing these songs. You probably know yourself with Jack Levi. He was a, a playwright, a novelist, yeah. and, and they, they, they went off to the Hamptons and they wrote all these uh, story songs, really, Isis and... Uh, Joey and Hurricane, they're all these long, rambling 12 verse stories. The old tradition of a good old Irish ballad, you know, yeah. 12, 12 verses. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know whether it was loose. I mean, it was recorded over three days, I think, apart from Hurricane, which was recorded about th- three months earlier. So it must have been loose. It has a lovely loose feel about it. Yeah, it really does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the funny thing is that uh, the song Hurricane, I mean, like, did you think it was a powerful song in terms of this oh, boxer yeah. has to get out of jail? For sure. You could have been the champion of the world at one time. I mean, yeah. he's talking about, uh, you know, uh, issues that still exist in America today, you know, with, with um, you know, black people being picked up on the street yeah. just because yeah. they're, they're black. Yeah, absolutely. So the musicians, anyway, on the album, um, like, I mean, as you say, Dave Mason's band was there as well. There's so many different people. You just don't know who's playing. In fact, Lou Harris is on it as well, and she uh, comes down with the core, doesn't she, of the singing? Oh, she's fantastic on it, Sarah, and on all those One More Cup of Coffee for the Road. I think that was her last... Uh, session with with as a session singer she went and did her own thing after that okay well listen let's play that track this is one more cup of coffee this is desire this is bob dylan and steve wickham has picked the album There you go, One More Cup of Coffee is the name of the song. And um, you mentioned Isis as well, which is a song, of course, about a girl called Isis and nothing to do with anything we've heard since. And and he has these songs that go on verses and verses of just, it's like a kind of a, I don't know, what it's like an Indiana Jones kind of song. It's a huge sort of adventure in it. But I mean, he takes you to other places on this album as well, all this Mozambique business. Like, Did you like all the tracks on it? Um, Well, I I sway between all the tracks. I was listening to this album just recently and, uh, you know, it's amazing. Even after all this time, I'm still hearing things in the songs that I'd never heard before. You know, Joey, that song about the the gangster. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just enraptured with the music and the swinging violin and the funny melodies and everything else like that. And it, it wasn't zoning in on the lyrics and I'm still zoning in on some of them. But I think, seems to me anyway, that it's a kind of a, uh, the change in Dylan from from his previous albums. He, I don't think he'd done a seventeen albums. I think it was eighteen or yeah, somewhere or around there. Yeah. So he, there's a big change. He becomes this other Dylan, I think. There, 
Right, funny enough, like, I, I prefer his next album, which never got much praise at all, which is Street Legal. I think I think, think it's oh. a better album. But I must say, I do like Desire. There's an awful lot of stuff on it. There's one thing, which is like with this fiddle thing, and like obviously you're going to be going for that, Mr. Yeah, Steve Wickham. Obviously. But um, the fuzz fiddle, I mean, like like when you talk about that, uh, almost inventing it or whatever, is there a fuzz pedal on the fiddle? Did you see Warren Ellis in, in, oh, in yeah. Nick Cave's band doing yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Well, I used to do it, actually, in my first band. I, I had a fuzz. It was, it was called the Big Muff was the name of the pedal. It was electroharmonics. But it was very difficult to contain because it made the fiddle feedback. And I gave it up as a as an option. But uh, years later, I saw um, Warren Ellis playing with Nick Cave in Seattle or someplace, and uh, he was playing it. And so I went back to it again, and I discovered a way of being able to use it without getting feedback. So I a lot to thank Warren Ellis for there, actually. But I mean, you're a multi-instrumentalist. You're a mandolin and tin whistle and concertina. Do, do you do sax, piano, guitar, the works? Yeah, everything badly. Yeah. <laughs> everything badly. Yeah, I mean, everything like, badly. You know, by the way, when, like, when you went, sorry, from Intu Anua, you're the one who kind of brought the Water Boys over here for that Irish sojourn of the famous Fisherman Blues in 86 to 88 and all that. Aren't you the one who kind of, I don't know, convened them all in Galway, but certainly did something about getting them here? Well, I, I invited Mike over. Mike was living in a flat in London and I invited him over to my flat. I was living in Portobello Road and he stayed with me on the floor uh, for about a week and met all the gang, you know. There was, Dublin was a fantastic scene in Dublin in the 1980s. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the hothouse flowers were there and the, the frames were still busking on the street. And, uh, you know, there was a great camaraderie among Irish musicians that, that didn't exist in, in the UK, for example. It was very competitive in London or Liverpool, Manchester, whereas in Dublin, everybody was swapping bass players and drummers and, and, and musicians and gear and everything. So we, Mike came to Dublin and we immediately uh, met with Trevor and um, Trevor, Hutchinson, uh, yeah. Trevor Hutchinson, who had been playing with, um, you know, that, what was the name of the band uh, he played in the north of Ireland, uh, Marty Lundy's band, um, uh, Kathmandu. Oh, right. So I, I said Trevor and was a great bass player and he came down and... Um, Peter McKinney, the drummer in the in Kathmandu. So there was a great. I think Mike loved that the fact that the Irish musicians were a bit more. Yeah, but Mike would have loved his Bob Dylan too. Did you ever sit down and talk all night about Bob Dylan to Mike? We probably sat down and played all of Bob Dylan's songs one night, <laughs> many times. I'm sure over the years. Indeed. And when you say you find more in the Dylan album, or like more from listening now, would a lot of that have to do with the lyrics? I mean, like you mentioned the song Joey about Joey Gallo, the mobster, and like a lot of people gave out to him for that because he kind of um, yeah. He kind of he was glamorized the, the, yeah, the, the mobster gangster. chic and all that yeah exactly. yeah well, you could say the same about Pretty Boy Floyd or or, or uh, Jesse James or absolutely, any of those absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely no question uh, what was I going to say um, and you also I, mentioned Jack Levy who like he he co-wrote the songs which is a very strange thing for Dylan to give himself out to a co-writer isn't it well they must have got on great because you can hear it in the he, he was able to yeah he you know, hand over the, the, the responsibility of writing the words. I think that liberated Dylan. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. OK, so the album itself then, Desire, if, you know, if you have to, like, it's one you can always go back to, is that it? Uh, well, definitely I'll always go back to One More Cup of Coffee for the Road and Sarah and, and yeah. Hurricane. Yeah, Isis, yeah. We, we'll go out with Sarah because, um, you know, if you think of Blood and the Tracks had been out just about a year before that, and of course that was the most... Um, 
kind of a break up album you could get the blood on every track and yeah. uh, so, but he left one here <laughs> was, that, was that before Desire or after Desire? Yeah no it was about a year before Desire okay. I think yeah and then Desire comes out and he just leaves this one song here Sarah which I believe when he recorded it I think Sarah Landis was actually in the studio at the time Yeah, which is a kind of an odd one if you think Oh but they me. probably had a great vibe they had, had, they, had they probably had who knows? Yeah, and there's also there's uh, a lot of mentions of the kids in the song as well. But just one thing there, finally, about Jacques Levy, that he probably got on very well with him. He hasn't been getting on too well with him since, because um, even though Jacques Levy died, I think, about 2003, 2004, the, um, his estate has been suing Dylan ever since to try and get royalties for the oh, co-writings, yeah. etc. And the judge has thrown it out of court. Oh, well, money, when money gets into it, then the creativity disappears. <laughs> Absolutely. Steve, it's been a real pleasure, as usual. Thank you very much indeed. Steve Wickham it is, and I'll play this last song from Desire by Bob Dylan from 1976, and it is about the wife, or the ex-wife at this stage, Sarah. Take it easy, Steve. Take it easy, Dave. <laughs> Dave Fanning on 2FM.